Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you miss the days when all the answers to life's big questions could be found in the juicy pages of Dolly Doctor? Sex, friendships, relationships, family, life stuff. Dolly gave us total honesty with zero judgment. We learned that it wasn't weird to masturbate, like a lot, and that periods can sometimes be tricky, unpredictable things. We talked about what to do when we had a crush on someone and how to get over relationship breakups. Having Dolly to turn to made all that teenage angst a bit more bearable. Adulthood was around the corner. We would all get our shit together, move to the city to become big-time businesswomen and sleep with Harrison Ford, like Melanie Griffiths in Working Girl. Was that just me? Life was happening. And then we all grew up and realised that everything is still confusing. Welcome to the Big Sister Hotline. Presented weekly by me, Clementine Ford, this is your place to ask all the questions you still don't know the answers to about sex, friendships, relationships, family and life stuff with the kind of frank advice you could expect to find from the person who loves you most, your big sister. Because life isn't easy. And sometimes we all need a big sister to call on. Hello, dear listeners, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. You're listening to the Big Sister Hotline, a weekly podcast offering frank, funny, and feminist advice on all the things that matter. Life, love, and whether or not you should break up with your no-good Nick boyfriend. Spoiler, the answer is always yes. Now, each week on the hotline, I'm joined by a very special guest who brings their own brand of big sister expertise to help answer your dilemmas, conundrums, and straight up anxieties about life. And I am not overstating it to say that the response to the announcement of this week's guest was magical. It's no surprise that everyone loves this human as much as I do, and I'm on cloud nine to have her on the show this week. She's a musician, a social media powerhouse, an icon for body and self-celebration, and a staunch critic of sexism in the music industry, both here and abroad. Because men are generally super chill about women calling out sexism, as I'm sure you can imagine, she's received precisely zero backlash for that. Georgia Mack, bloody welcome. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. What a cool introduction. <laughs> well, of course, I wanted to have you on the hotline because I love you and you know that. Oh my and God, I love, I love you too. <laughs> this is what I love about the hotline. It's just a big love. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> I'm looking at you in your... um bedroom yeah I'm in my bedroom which is also my lounge room you've got a beautiful photograph of uh is that your parents behind you yeah it's my parents on their wedding day it's really cute and then Billy Holiday and Amy Winehouse and then my dad's guitar case nice nice one because yeah. your dad's a musician right yeah he played in Red Gum the I was only 19 band yeah I uh I have to say I'd have to make a confession to you that I um know basically jack shit about music I just like what I like and yeah that's fine 
I have no no knowledge of the history of Australian music. But someone did write in and ask whether or not you um, whether or not having that influence in your life growing up was what helped lead you to music, or do you think that you would have gone into it anyway? I'm not like I don't know because I can't. I don't know. It's like all these like these separate timelines that you just don't know what would have happened. But like I think I was very privileged to have a musician as a father and like a mum who like always encouraged me and supported me to do what I loved. So yeah, I don't know. I can't can't really say for sure. But it was definitely like helpful because there was like guitars in the house and a piano. And so I always had access to work on stuff. One of the things that you've become so prominently known for is, uh, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword because, and, I, and I've experienced that in my own work as well, is that when you become known for someone who calls out sexism in your industry or in the world in general, you do become um, kind of a bulldozer, which, which is wonderful because you get to pave the way for so many people behind you who may not have had who may not have the confidence to be able to speak out the way that you do or simply like lack the the hours in doing so because for me one of the things that has made it easier is just doing more and more of it. Mm. Um, but the privileged sort of that is that it then becomes this thing that kind of precedes you when you walk into a room. Um, so now you get to be the musician that calls out sexism in the, yeah. in the Australian industry. And I know I introduced you in that way but but it's sort of one of those things that people do associate that with your work. Does that, does, do you find it frustrating to have that label follow you or do you consider it more of a badge of honour? I, I wave on those. That's why I frame it that way. Like, yeah, it is a, such a double-edged sword because it's like your reputation like precedes you. And like, I don't know, I feel like if I was a man, I'd just be known as a musician. Like, and I'd be like, like if I was a man, it'd be like, oh, he's such a good guy by calling out all this sexism. What an amazing man, like blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you're a woman, it's like, well, you're an angry feminist and, you know, like. <sighs> the benefit that comes to any, well, any look, it's anyone who has a position of privilege. When white people call out racism, they're celebrated as amazing allies by other white people. Actually. Mm-hmm. Um and the the risk, I think for me, what what makes it so frustrating is the risk for people in position of privilege. Obviously, is minimal, and that's why if we have privilege, we should be using it to call out um, inequality and discrimination. And yet, where sexism is concerned, so few men are willing to do that publicly. When they do, of course, they receive you know huge accolades for it. Um, the the cost benefit to them is very different than it is for women who you know, become known for calling out misogyny. And yet still so few of them seem willing to do it. I know. And it's like, if you did it, like, like if the men in music were like, hey, like we've got like a massive problem with misogyny and sexism and racism. Like there's no like punishment for them. Like they're just going to be seen as like good guys and it's going to like boost their career. And like, they'll be like, applauded constantly it's like well why aren't you doing it like nothing bad can come of this but none of them kind of do it like 
I don't know. Like, do you like know? Do you know like Michael B. Jordan? Like he signed this thing. He's an actor. He's a black man, and he signed this thing that was like he won't um be in a movie unless there's like 50 50 men and women and it's like mm. fucking like do that it tends to be that people who experience discrimination on um some or multiple levels are much more able to point it out and fight against it where where they see it elsewhere i mean that's not always the case obviously particularly with white people um mm. a lot of men don't don't see it as being an issue that concerns them they maintain the line on well, you know, not all men are like that. You know, they, they want to be excused from the problem when women even open their mouths to speak about it. And unless they're excused, they won't even listen in the first place. But being excused allows them to sort of pat themselves on the back and say, well, this is really nothing to do with me. So I yeah. don't really need to have the solution on it. And, you know, people, I can imagine that, um, because I know that this is the same for me, you know, as a writer and as a speaker, that one of the things that you would, suffer as an exhausting element of that work that you do is that sort of vibe the feeling that oh god here goes Georgia again oh she's just like a dog with a bone you know Mm -hmm. such a drainer and I hate that because the reason that feminists and anyone who speaks up against you know discrimination the reason that we get the label of being killjoys is because it's a real killjoy thing to do to sort of always have to be the one that says, hey, you know, that's a really shitty thing that you just said or, hey, can we all take a step back and look at look at what we're perpetuating here? We don't want to do it. We don't want to be the killjoys. We don't want to be the one that kind of brings down the mood every time. It's not fun for us either and that's why we need more men to actually step up and do it so that that burden is shared. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's – it's exhausting and there's always something to be like fighting against and to be like the people who always do it. Like it feels good. And I feel like I'm using my privilege of like having a, a loud voice to, I don't know, like make people aware of these issues, but it is like, it's exhausting. Like sometimes it's just like, I just want to be seen as a musician like all these men get the privilege of being seen as but like I'm not and I never will be and you know that's like I feel very lucky but at the same time it's like I don't know like I'm I'm a musician let me just like play my fucking music (laughs) yeah I need to point out the elephant in the room to listeners. There were a few questions that came in um, in relation to this, and I'm not going to be specific about it, but anyone who follows you and follows news in the Australian music industry will be familiar with um, a circumstance that happened in the last couple of years where uh, you were involved in your own sort of hashtag me too moment in the Australian music industry. Like I said, I'm not going to go into the specifics of that, even though there were people who wrote in to the hotline wanting you to talk about that. Um, And the reason I'm not going to go into specifics and I'm going to explain to people why there is an absence of that conversation is simply put, that's a really exhausting thing for women to have to talk about. And it's up to every individual woman who has an experience of that, which is, by the way, most of us, to be able to decide for herself when and where they have that discussion. And that discussion will not be had on this show when Georgia feels like talking about if if Georgia feels like talking about that, then she will lead that conversation for herself. So that explains that. And we will be talking more 
about some of some of those particular topics. Hell yeah. Love it. Thank you. How are you spending isolation? Um, I have been knitting my little heart out. Um, I just finished my like seventh or eighth jumper. <laughs> like it's so, I don't know. I really love knitting. Like I'm such like a homebody. I've been like knitting and making, like I've got cupcakes that I'm making in my kitchen right now. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in bed. I bought a weighted blanket, which I'm loving. And I don't know. I've just like, I love being by myself and I love not doing anything. Like I'm, I don't know, like I'm, I lead a very quiet life. I'm trying to like take care of all my house plants and clean my bathroom. Mm. I haven't been writing that much because I feel like now it's like there's pressure kind of like, it's not really, it's not really there, but like, I feel like I'm putting pressure on myself to like write and use this time productively but at the same time, it's just like, I'm just going to do nothing and enjoy my time off a bit. It's interesting because as you've become more and more well-known, um, I think we can use the word famous. Um, <laughs> are you, do you find yourself being recognised on the street and being approached by people? And what does that, what does that stir in you? Do you um, feel more inclined to protect your privacy now and or do you feel like this is what this is part of the enjoyment of the job? Like I wouldn't say like an enjoyment, but it is like kind of nice sometimes. Like I got rock it's called recognized. <laughs> I got recognized yesterday and someone was like, I really like your solo album, blah 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 blah. And like, I don't know, it's just like it's a nice thing. I don't know if like I'm not going to be like oh, it's so and it's not cool because it is like really cool I think but sometimes it's like oh god they're going to be like judging me based on this like moment like if I'm rude to them they're going to think I'm a really rude person and like I don't know that's like a bit stressful but I don't know I'm not kind of too concerned about any of that mm. you know we're all just people yeah, I find that as well that um, it's really annoying when you sort of read about celebrities being pissed off at, you know, being recognised or, um, you know, responding in a way that makes it appear that they think that they're better than everyone else because mm. the, it's a, such a huge privilege to have people love your work openly and to feel yeah. that urge to let you know about it and to kind of look that you know, to, to dismiss that, I think, is very churlish. But at the same time, I completely appreciate what you're saying about the sense of you're never allowed to have an off day. Yeah. You're never allowed to be perceived to have, you know, brushed someone off or um, – and I, and I wonder if that's something that men would worry about. Maybe, but, like, not in the same way. Like, I've been recognised twice, like, right outside my house, which is, like, a bit stressful to me because it's, like – oh God, like I can't walk to the, like walking to the supermarket at night. I have to be like so wary of everything. Like I feel like, I don't know if this is like on the right topic, but like I feel like I'm always like sussing out men, like putting them on this like risk assessment kind of chart when I walk by them in the street. 
And like sometimes I even like feel that with like some bands because I'm like, oh God, are they going to like ask me about like my very triggering and traumatizing experience? Because like sometimes they have. I don't know. I feel like I'm always like on guard about it. Mm. Yeah, waiting to kind of be have that sprung on you all the time is mm. stressful. And yeah. and as well, I think that um, you know, sort of again, skirting around the issue and speaking more generally, one of the things that you've experienced in that, and that so many women who speak out experience, is and one of the reasons why I can appreciate you not wanting to talk about it in any great depth, is Women are expected not only to speak about these things, but we are forced continuously to prove them and justify yeah. them. It's and like reliving it every time. Because there are some hard. people who who just refuse to accept that women could possibly be able to, like, be the most – they refuse to accept that women could be the best witnesses to our own lives, that yeah. everything that we say comes with an agenda, that comes with some sort of form of misinterpretation – and my favourite, that we're doing it for attention. Oh, yeah. Um, Taylor Swift has a really good lyric that's like, when everyone believes you, what's that like? And it's like, oh. <laughs> Well, Love speaking it. about lyrics, actually, someone wrote in and said that um, one of, for them, the you know, in your song, in Camp Cope's song, Keep Growing, the It's Not For You line, they described as maybe one of the best lyrics ever. Um, they said it really distills what can be a complex discussion into a simple truth. And they wanted to know, do you have any favourite lyrics that give you that hell yes, that exactly that feeling in relation to being a woman? Um, I had to think I had to think about this and I've got two. Um, one is, uh, I don't know, no, this isn't really um, about being a woman, but it's like the Lizzo lyric, why men great till they got to be great. And it's like, ugh. but like the one about being a woman, it's like, from this Dolly Parton song called, I think I just said Pardon, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton. Um, she's got this song that's, the lyric is, my mistakes are no worse than yours just because I'm a woman. And it's like, that song was written so long ago and it's just about these like double standards. And I freaking love Dolly Parton for that. It's, the song's called Bec- Just Because I'm a Woman or something. And it's just like, oh, it's so true. Mm. It is so true. And and often, you know, like really exceptional musicians and songwriters, um, of which I think you are one, um, are able to distill those truths into single lines in that way. And I, when I read that question, I, I had that weirdly, um, you know, it's not a lyric, but I had that same, yes, yes, that exactly that response to reading the question, because I feel that same way about keep growing, you know. Oh, that- good. How many, like, that is so, such a simple thing to say, but so many people don't understand it. It's not for you. The idea that women exist separately to the lens that men, men want to place us under is such a foreign concept to, to so many people, and particularly, you know, keyboard warriors on the internet, young boys who band together to try and harass and bully women into silence, or even just mock them into silence, is, it's astonishing. And, the, it seems not to have occurred to so many of them that women can exist in a way that is not for them at all. You know, yeah. I saw a, um, I recently joined TikTok 
And, uh, you know, boys on TikTok are like super encouraging of girls and women who want to make their own content. It's amazing. Um, that was obviously sarcasm. Women yeah, do that I was just sometimes. about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this, there's this woman that I follow on TikTok and she, she made this short video yesterday about, and she was basically saying like, why do so many men get so angry and upset about women just trying to be funny? You know, she was like, we're allowed to try. We're allowed to have a crack at it. And she wasn't even saying about the fact that women can be funny. She was saying like, they get so mad at us just even trying. And I was watching that and I just thought, it's so, it's so true, you know, that just women existing in a space in a way that signifies that they're not doing it for male approval or even for permission. They're not asking for permission to just exist in a space. Seems to get so many men riled up and upset and they need to call in you know, calling the troops, tagging each other in the comments, coming in to let her know how wrong she is. I mean, at the same time as women, of course, are told that men are just calm and rational and never overreact to anything, mm-hmm. not in the way us crazy hysterical women do. And it reminded me of a conversation that uh, Mission Zara had on the Shameless podcast this week and they were, you know, disclaimer, they were talking about um, uh, an incident that I went through last week where I exposed a teenage troll online who basically, you know, dropped into my DMs to uh, tell me to kill myself. Um, and my my whole approach to that is always that I don't care how old you are. If you're old enough to be using the internet and sending death threats to people, then you're old enough to be held accountable for it in front of your community. And if you're sending it to me, then you are 100% sending it to girls your own age who don't have the same power that I have. Um, so I'm going to call it out. I mean, it's not, a, it's not, that is not news to anyone. I've been doing that for years. So the fact that people continue to act surprised about that is really what shocks me. I know. Um, it's so idiotic. Every time I see you get like a new thing, like a new like hate kind of male thing, I'm always just like, don't you know what she does with this, you idiots? <laughs> like, oh, I love it. I really admire you for that. It's great. Oh, thanks. It's, but I mean, it's, it's, it is exhausting. And I think we both have that experience of it being exhausting to have to constantly be met with this kind of wall of shit just when we're trying to make our way through the day. But one of the things that um, Mission Zara talked about was Mish was talking about her own experiences at 18, um, you know, being trolled by this Facebook group at the time, which was called Face Beef. And she's an 18 year old young woman. They found a comment that she'd made on a Facebook post somewhere and decided that they didn't like the fact that she would be able to express herself in this way. And she was talking about issues that, you know, almost overwhelmingly women face. Um, so nothing really even to do with men. And yet they found this, they screen capped it, they shared it in their group of more than 20,000 people and she was relentlessly trolled for a long time about it, of course. And she was experiencing that as a girl on the brink of womanhood, not as me, a 38-year-old. And as she described it, the event was extremely traumatizing for her. But she said when talking about this that they just couldn't, she, and she was talking about it in the context of this being, you know, eight years ago, but this is still the way that a lot of young men and older men feel now. But they couldn't handle women having any corner where they could just discuss things amongst themselves. And that seems so apparent to me that as soon as, as, soon as young men get wind of the fact that women might be existing in a way that doesn't require their approval or permission, they need to swoop in and control that space and make that space toxic and unpleasant for everyone involved. Mm. 
And I, and I feel like obviously it's extremely damaging for women to have to experience that, but it's really damaging for men to be kind of indoctrinated into that behaviour as well. It's it's incredibly damaging for their potential to create empathetic um loving relationships even if they're platonic with other women and with other men yeah like I don't know like I post a lot of like I love posting like horny pics because they make me feel really good because it's like oh I'm sexy I'm loving it and then as soon as a man like comments on it like implying that like as soon as like they like they post these like creepy comments or like you know something in a way to like discredit me just because I post a horny pic that means that all my political views are now out the window like it's just it sucks that like they can't like they don't like can't like separate it and even like you know like how like girls have like girls and like non-binary people and like queer people have these like groups on Facebook where we can talk about like our like all the things that we experience and face and then like men will create their own groups like in like retaliation to that where they just be as disgusting as possible like yucky and even the very fact that women and non-binary people anyone who's basically not a cis man Mm. would 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 want to have a space where they just talked about things amongst themselves. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those groups that you're talking about, the ones populated by people who aren't cis men, talk about hair and makeup and music that we like and books that we're reading. And yeah, sometimes sometimes the conversation can get a little bit, you know, for want of a better word, crass and funny. But that's mm. fine. Like we're humans and we're allowed to have those conversations too. But as far as I'm aware, I've never seen one of those groups that you know, indulges these really toxic, violent fantasies about degradation and dehumanisation and does it in a way that is purely designed to retaliate against the fact that these things exist at all. You know, when I love going to the women's baths when I'm in Coogee and whenever I mention it, I'm always met with a wall of men and even some women as well, because women of course can be enforcers of patriarchy who say, well, that doesn't sound like gender equality. Why do women get their own baths? It's like, there's literally a whole beach right next to this bath and a hundred meters down the road, there's another bath that men can go to. And by the way, if you would like to petition the council to have your own sea bath that only men can go to, please feel free to do that. I would be absolutely fine with you having your own bath, but that's not what the point is it's why they get so upset about international women's day as well and say what about international men's day they don't even know that there is an international men's day that it's november 19th they don't know that because they actually don't care about there being something for men they just don't want there to be something for women yeah it's always like retaliation yeah because we have to exist peripherally to them and anytime we do anything we have to seek their permission it's like you what do you mean you have sorry you have a facebook group that's just for women i mean did we give you planning permission for that? I don't think so. So we're going to tear it down. They like I just I don't think they understand that like reverse sexism and like reverse racism doesn't exist because the world is like this oh, white supremacist in- fucking place that's like every day is International Men's Day and like they just they don't they don't get it or they don't want to see it because they've never experienced that kind of discrimination. And like any yeah. kind of ism that uh... well, and women women currently lack the 
economic and political and institutional power to really substantially discriminate against men. That the discriminations and disadvantages that men experience under a patriarchy, and they do definitely experience discrimination and disadvantage, comes from other men, comes from patriarchal structures that insist that men must be a certain way. You know, when men turn around and they say, oh, well, if you want gender equality, then I suppose you'll you'll support conscription for women to fight in wars. And you're like, I don't want anyone to be conscripted to fight in a fucking war yeah it's been, been started by governments looking for power i'm not but, into war like that shouldn't come as a surprise yeah it's just like i don't know i wish that was obviously i'm like world peace please um but it's always like old old white men sending these like young men to die just like they're like these little pawns in a game like it's so sociopathic and it like mm-hmm. it's like it's always men who just fucking start wars. Like they shouldn't be in charge. Mm-mm. Indeed. We need to elect more women. Absolutely. Elect more women. Georgia, should we get to the questions? Yes, we love questions. Please also note my disclaimer in very big flashing lights that neither I nor Georgia Mack are doctors, psychologists, or professionally trained sex therapists. We're just two women who've got a little thing called life experience and two social media mentions are quite frequently a literal garbage fire because toxic masculinity and male fragility make volatile bedfellows. <laughs> Men are so fragile. It's kind of funny. You grow up like thinking and being taught that women are like the emotional ones and men are the really strong ones who are really rational. But you grow up and it's like, it's totally backwards. We're like Mm -hmm. all the, like the strongest, most incredible people that I've ever met in my life are always women. Like constantly time and time again. And men are just like these little babies, like pooing in their nappies <laughs> part of the great lie mm-hmm. okay body love asks hello you fabulous women there's been a lot in the news recently about adele and her weight loss of the last year it's made me think about the never-ending issue of women's image and what is and isn't acceptable stay in your lane type of stuff Georgia, you've long been an advocate for freedom and self-expression when it comes to body hair, body art, and the way you work on and show off that Kimmy K of Footscray booty. Do you find that this expression empowers you against the collective opinions of men and women talking about how you're quote unquote supposed to look both within and outside of the music industry? And Clementine, I am so aware that your image is one of the first things men in particular attack when they're coming for you. What do you do that helps empower you against the barbs? What about when those barbs come from within yourself? It's so interesting that like men won't ever attack your ideas because they can't. But the first thing they go for is how you look and like, you know, like like how like smart they think you are. Like it just shows that like they really don't have a leg to stand on. But like, I don't know, like I love my body. I love every single hair that comes out of it. I love the its shape and that's like that's has been such an a radical act of like self-love for me in like it's kind of like a fuck you to like the patriarchy being like no I'm gonna feel sexy with my fucking mustache and all my hair that grows on my fucking stomach like and between my boobs and around my nipples like I don't give a fuck 
like I don't know and that feels like so radical to me because all my life I've been told that like that's not how you should feel about your body you should feel ashamed because it's always like women's image and also I think this whole Adele thing is fucked and just like fat phobic and it's like she was still a brilliant songwriter a brilliant singer like her weight loss transformation fucking whatever you want to call it like doesn't matter like leave it alone like but at the same time it's like if she feels good and that makes her feel good then like power to her good on you Adele like whatever you think but I still think that she's an incredible musician like disregarding the way that she looks Mm. Yeah, I have to say that I really love all of the photographs that you post of your mustache as well because for me, I've I've noticed a lot of people doing that um, lately, and you know, people who've been assigned female at birth and maybe non-binary now mm. or cis women, and it's that's been very radical for me to see. I've I've noticed that before, um, really in the last two years, and I wouldn't have expected something as simple maybe simple is the wrong word but I wouldn't have expected something like that to have radically stoked that self-love and empowerment in me um because I often sort of feel like oh I'm like quite far along you know in terms of these this thinking but the the actual like visceral effect that it has on me when I see the photographs that you share of um you know your body hair is is pretty profound so thank you so much for that um, oh and to everyone God. else who does that. Like I was so bullied in like primary school and high school. Like they used to call me Harry McClary once someone stuck a sticker that said gorilla on my locker. And it's just like, I don't know, start, you, it's like an armor. If you start loving it, it becomes this like armor. And it's like, oh, you're going to try to attack me because of my mustache. Well, I fucking love my mustache. So like, who cares? Also, it's just like, I can't get rid of it. I look weird without a mustache. It just, it is what it is. I like it. It's cool. I never want to get rid of it. Do you feel like that was a process for you to get to that point of radical self-love? Absolutely. Like, and that, you know, that comes from like being bullied and having it like used against you. It was such a process. It took years, years and years. I know what you mean about it being, you know, it, it ending up feeling like a suit of armor because, you know, as, as this questioner, as this little sister has said, one of the things obviously that um, my detractors, my lovely male fans uh, reach to first always is the way that I look. Mm. Same. But they still always just go right for the, you know, for the, you're, you're ugly. You're just angry because no men want to fuck you. And yeah, like, they can't. Oh, they can't go at your ideas because they don't know how. Because they're fucking idiots. Yeah. And so they try to get you like the way that you look. Yeah. One of the things that they, you know, they think is hysterically funny to point out is that I have a, a gap between my teeth. I love the gap tooth. Love it. I love the gap between my teeth too. You know, and I, in, in fact, I've never ever ever had a problem with it. I've had a problem with so many aspects of my body growing up. So many things that I absorbed from the culture around me that told me that I the way that I looked was wrong or not pretty enough or not small enough, not thin enough, not this or that or the other. But the one thing that men attack me on the most now is just something that never ever bothered me. And I also think like, well, it's my teeth. You know, it's like, <laughs> wow, big deal. Also, what do you think that I don't, did I not know? 
you're, what? Oh my goodness. You're it's, I sort of feel like, you know, there's, there are certain lines that you can see being passed around the internet and men all think that they're terribly funny and original when they drop by your um, social media to just repeat the same line at you. They're like toddlers sitting around sharing toys and mm-hmm. passing the toy around. Like you can have a turn with the line now. Oh, you, you you can have a turn with the line now. You can say it to her like, it's all right, I'll give it to you. And they all think that they're really funny and original. And I just feel like maybe like I'm so far beyond caring what some strange man on the internet thinks about the way that I look that they do just become words after a while like it's like in my first book um I have a section where I talk I I encourage women to stand in front of the mirror and just say fork over and over or any word but I use (laughs) fork you could use glass whatever it is plate and just say it over and over and over and pretty quickly into the re- repetition of that word, you won't know what a fork is anymore. It will sound like the strangest, weirdest word, like what even is a fork? Um, and I, I kind of feel the same way about barbs, about your appearance, you know, that there's only so many times someone can call you a fucking fat lesbian cunt before you're like, you know what? I am a fat lesbian cunt. <laughs> I love it. So often the things that they choose to pick on you about just really reveal their own insecurities about women. The fact that, for example, lesbian, which I've been called a lot this week, um, the fact that men still think that calling a woman a lesbian reveals that they think, they still think that the worst thing a woman can do is not need men, yeah. as if somehow that's not like the best compliment that they could possibly give us. Well, you don't need men, do you? Uh, no, I don't, Darren. <laughs> Darren. I feel like once you kind of get to that point where you can let go of all of that anxiety and stress that comes from being conditioned in a patriarchy that tells us that the most valuable thing we can have is men's sexual approval, even if we're not interested sexually in men at all or in that man, that once we can kind of unfree ourselves and unburden ourselves of that patriarchal trope, it becomes extremely liberating and then you can just actually say whatever you want. I've gotten to the point where if someone like is like a cunt to me online, I'm just like, here's my PayPal. If you want to argue, pay me. Yeah, yeah they don't like that. Mm-mm. Men don't like women for anything. No. Searching for a coven writes, hey, big sisters. I wanted to ask about female friends. I'm 23 and still live at home. I have two amazing sisters and an incredible mum, but I feel like I'm missing women in my life. Movies and books and even you, Clem, talk about these incredibly supportive female friendships that sustain throughout life. I do have some lovely female friends, but I would love some advice on how to find these amazing friendship groups and how to tackle the loneliness I've been feeling for a while. I've had a long-term boyfriend for over five years and I feel like I may have put more energy into that rather than girlfriends and I think that this has been a mistake but that's a whole other story that I need advice on. I need to reconnect to women around me to build me up and make me feel supported and connected and any tips would be much appreciated. Thank you both so much. Like I don't have a I don't have a friendship group like I have like these tiny pockets of like friends who like I go and see one-on-one and we like go for a walk and nurture our relationship but like even I don't have like a a group I've never felt comfortable in a group and like I don't know we shouldn't be putting like pressure on ourselves to like you have to have a group and 
you know, like that's it's exhausting and it makes you feel like shitty. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like I appreciate, like I I like having like little friendships here and there that are like very small and very special and like that makes me feel nurtured and good and also like when they said about maybe it was like a mistake putting too much effort into their relationship with their boyfriend I'm just like every day is a school day like you learn from that and like it's okay like it's okay to like nurture a romantic relationship because they are very special and very nice like I spend half my day texting my boyfriend and being on FaceTime to him. And like, I don't know, like I love that. I love nurturing that relationship and putting time into it. But yeah, there does, there does need to be like a balance between friend, like friendship and romantic thingies. Cause it is, is it, it is easy to like be so sucked up in a relationship that you forget about your friends. Yeah. I think that pointing out that, you know, not everyone wants to have huge friendship groups is really valuable. For some people, they, you know, particularly if they're more introverted, they may get their energy from smaller pockets, as you say. Mm. Um, For me, one of the things that I have realised in the, you know, relatively short time still that I've been doing this podcast is that often what's being said is between the lines of a question. So this person has said I've had a long-term boyfriend for over five years and I feel I may have put more energy into that and that may have been a mistake but that's a whole other story that I need advice on so it seems to me like potentially you know that five years between 23 and 18 that's a pretty huge transition into adulthood and I sense that maybe what the questioner is saying is that the relationship potentially has come to a natural conclusion uh, but they're not sure necessarily how to to now that they've become an adult within that relationship, what does it mean to not be in that relationship anymore? Mm. What does that mean to be a woman standing on their own two feet in this world? And maybe whatever decision she feels like she might be wanting to make in that relationship would feel less frightening to her if she had a strong, solid group of girlfriends around to catch her as she fell. Mm. So that's what I'm picking up from, from that. And I think that, you know, in terms of forming a friendship, group like that it's it's a process I do talk a lot about the sustaining um the sustaining aspects of friendships with women and you know I I firmly believe that women save each other and that women are always the answer other women are always the answer women other women will provide a a a safety to us in the sharing and validating of our experiences that so often men are just unable to because they don't have the same experiences that we have going through the world. And it's really important for us to nurture those friendships, particularly because one of the things that patriarchy has done to us is make us suspicious of other women and tell us that we don't need other women to succeed, that we really just need to be the official woman in in any room. And at the same time as patriarchy has established bonds between men that are considered to be very important and uh, aspirational and men are encouraged to support each other and protect each other even when harm is being done, women have not had that same encouragement that, you know, any more than two women is a coven and that's very frightening for a lot of people, you know, which again goes back to what we were talking about when men sense that women might be communicating with each other online, even if it's just to talk about makeup, then they need to come in and monitor that situation because 
the idea of women be, being left to our own devices is potentially threatening and scary. Yeah, I think so that, I, um, sorry, I think that like any kind of relationship between like two people who aren't cis men is very radical because like, like I can't speak for like non-binary people, but like I know that like women are always, we always have to be in competition with one another because it's like that, you know, we're climbing the ladder to be the woman, like the only woman, the girl who's one of the guys. And like men don't have these relationships, these like important relationships where they talk to each other because of the patriarchy because they're not encouraged to speak about their emotions. They're encouraged to bottle them up and then that leads to like higher rates of uh, suicide amongst men and like it's it's really it's really sad and the, I don't know I think that's why like like male like with like some like relationships that I have with men I'm like the person that they talk to about stuff and like like sad shit and like that can be it's not it's not like exhausting but it's like oh, it would be so nice if you had, like, other men who you could, like, lean on and cry with and hug and stuff like that. But it's, you know, like, men are meant to be, like, tough and not have any single emotion that isn't, like, anger or happiness. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's a problem that, uh, you know, people who, who are partnered with men often experience this sense that they become the receptacle for every single one of that man's emotions. And of course, if you're in a relationship with someone, then this is this is a part of that role. Of course, you want to be there for someone. And that should be a two-way thing of, you know, I'm not suggesting that at all. But if you are the only person that that person is able to share their emotional distress with, it's a, it's a huge burden and it can be a real, it can end up being a huge roadblock in the relationship. Mm. Women are very good at seeking that support from other women and I guess distributing the burden of that pain in a way that that men have been dissuaded by patriarchy from doing. Going back to this question in terms of building and fostering those relationships, um, I think the very first and encouraging step is that this is something that you want. You want to form you know, incredibly supportive female friendships that, as you say, sustain you throughout life. And now what happens is you put the time into that. So as Georgia said, you know, every day is a school day. You may feel now that you've placed too much of a burden uh, on, or you've, you may feel like you've placed too much of yourself or invested too much into nurturing your relationship. And you're wondering where those friendships are or where they could possibly be. But the good news is you're only 23 and you can start building those relationships with other women right now because like anything, they take time and they take effort. And the women that I'm friends with now who I, you know, consider to be my rocks are not people that I just met one day and then suddenly established this intimacy with. Like it's been a process that's happened throughout my life. You know, the reason that they sustain me throughout my life is because we've sustained each other throughout a long period of time. And I think that you can approach that with a huge amount of excitement that you get to, you're basically on the brink now of saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet the loves of my life. And those loves are going to be women. And they're going to be the people that are there for me when I need them. They're going to be the people that, you know, are the stalwart 
rocks throughout every transition of my life. And some of those relationships will ebb and flow in the way that every other relationship does, but some of them will be there until the end of my days. And that's a fucking beautiful thing. I love, I wish that we encouraged everyone, men and women, to seek those lasting relationships and to, and to place primacy in those relationships in a way that we've all been sold the lie of the one romantic, you know, soulmate that you spend the rest of your life with being, being the goal. Because to me, I don't think that should be the goal. Relationships. Yuck. Partner. Yeah. We shouldn't be making finding one person to spend the rest of your life with the measure of happiness. Yeah. My advice would just be like, nurture those relationships with people who aren't cis men, like that you already have and like invest your time into them. Like that's that's my advice. Like I don't know, like I feel like if you go out like trying to look for new friends, you kind of forget about the people who have always been there. Like and it's easy to like brush over. But like I have like I've got like people who I can talk to I can count on like one hand. Like those people who are like your soulmates in a way. And like I really appreciate them because I feel like I'm always learning from them. Like if I say something fucked or think something fucked or problematic, then like I, I always know that like I can rely on these other women that I have in my life and non-binary people to be like, that's a bit fucked. And let me tell you why, because I believe that you can be a better person than this. And like, I really appreciate that. And I think that's what like more men need. They need to like pull each other up on these fucked views so then they can learn and become better yeah absolutely agree 100 percent discerning listener says so much love for you both I was at Camp Cope set at Falls in Byron Bay in 2017 uh, slash 18. I have truly never been the same since. It was such a powerful moment. I notice a lot of boys in my life only listen to music by male artists. I'm always conscious of the diversity in Hottest 100 votes, for example, and I'm always so shocked when boys I love apparently don't rank a single female artist song. When I call this out, the excuse is always, oh, I just don't listen to a lot of girl artists. I think this is bullshit. What do you think? Um, well, first of all, very cool that they were at that set because that was the set that, I don't know, every, at every full show of that, like, tour, we're always like, hey, we make up three of the nine women, like, playing this bill. And that always got us in, like, so much trouble. And it's like, we're just stating facts. Like, this is objective like there are nine women, we make up three of them and we think it's a problem. Um, but I feel like this is, it's, I feel like, so like Triple J has like this big monopoly over Australian music because they're like the youth radio station, the, you know, the one that plays like independent artists and stuff like that. And I think it's absolutely on them to have a look at the ratio of like, how many men they make people listen to and how many women they make people listen to and how many non-binary and gender diverse people they make people listen to because they have like absolute control over it and they're the ones who are failing because like 
once you listen to a song enough times, you love it. Like, you know, like it's it's all about like the amount of exposure that these musicians are getting that determines whether kind of like people like them or not. I Like I think, I don't know, like you like what you like and like that's fine. But yeah, I, I do think it's, I've had people say to me like, oh, I just like don't like female voices. And it's like, oh, that is, there's so many problems in that. And I wish I could articulate them all. And also it's not true. It's not that they don't like female voices. It's that they don't like either what those female voices are saying or they're refusing to recognise that they've been conditioned by a structural system that has discounted every contribution that women have ever made and that suggests to people that women aren't as capable in fields that are dominated by men. Um, You know, I always like to use the example that the Beatles are ranked as like one of the best, if not the best, music groups of all time. And it's fucking teenage girls that made the Beatles. Yeah. It was teenage girls that swamped the Beatles and it was teenage girls that that made the Beatles popular. And it was only it was only when men decided that the Beatles were making sufficiently weird and cool enough music that the Beatles suddenly became like a band worth listening to. Yeah, and teenage a band girls worth- are the tastemakers. They're the most important people in music, teenage girls. Good on them. They're the most important in any industry because they're the ones that create everything. Um, You know, when people say things like, oh, I just don't listen to a lot of girl artists, well, why? Why do you not listen to a lot of girl artists? Why do you not read a lot of girl writers? Why do you not read books written by people of colour? Why do you not watch things made by, you know, trans people? Why why are you limiting your tastes to the most generic and bland of groups out there, which is, you know, the dominant social structure? Why, what is so interesting about male musicians in particular a group which in itself is obviously hugely diverse in terms of the kind of music being made. What is so specifically interesting to you about male musicians that you prefer them to female musicians who are making exactly the same kind of music, except for the fact that you are inherently sexist and you are unwilling to address some of that sexism in yourself? You know, when uh, the thing that really stuck out to me about this question as well is, you know, this... (sighs) I just want to reach through the screen and hug you. This poor darling person who says, I'm always so shocked when boys I love apparently don't rank a single female artist song. And it's not just about the music that they listen to, but so many of us have to go through and wrestle with the inevitable heartbreak of realising that the boys and men we love just simply do not rate our experiences as women or find women in any capacity particularly interesting beyond the capacity that they they want to be able to use women for, which is either to have relationships with us or to use us for our labour. Um, that I feel like is a, is a heartbreak that every single one of us goes through at some point if we're, if we're at all interested in, the, interested in the dynamic between men and women and if we are at all, if we at all value self-respect for ourselves. And I think that turning that question back on them can be valuable if they're willing to have the conversation but so often it's just frustrating as you in particular Georgia have found you know not just in speaking out you know so publicly in the music industry like the backlash that you and your bandmates in Camp Cope have received is 
I'm I'm frustrated and exhausted on your behalf. You know, I can deal with it for myself, but when I see other women being exposed to it, that's kind of where it becomes painful for me, is knowing that it doesn't matter what you do as a woman. It doesn't matter what discriminations you point out or even just as you said, standing there and just mildly exposing facts. We are three people in a nine-woman lineup. Like that's a fact. Whatever people want to glean from that, is more reflective of them and their own prejudices than it is the fact that you're standing there and saying it. Because unfortunately we live in a world now where men can be extremely sexist and they can also band together in ways that they were previously unable to because of the power of the internet. You know, you can have 20,000 men be part of a pack now, Mm. uh, whereas before you might've just had to deal with five men in real life. And they, they don't, you know, they're very happy to indulge sexism for, you know, as a bonding mechanism with each other or because it it amuses them to see women get worked up. Um, but the moment that you turn around and say, well, you're being really sexist, pointing out a fact, they can't handle it. They, they, they don't want you to call them what they are, which is why it makes it so frustrating to have conversations with the men in your life about the uh, the attitudes that they have towards women. Yeah, sometimes I'm just like, I just want to like bang my head up against a brick wall because it's so exhausting. And like, it's like, go and ask the men what they think. Go and ask the men about what they think of nine women on a lineup. Like, stop asking us, put them in the position where they have to like say something because they're the ones who can change it. Well, yeah, but then they have to place themselves in the firing line. Yeah, and all they'll get is praise fire that's made of like praise and oh there's such good guys are oh, standing up against the patriarchy they'll get praise from women and they'll get praise from other feminists but mm-hmm. you know men are very good at policing each other too and perhaps what it is that they're afraid of is that they don't want their male fans to be like oh well he's a fucking simp isn't he oh look at him oh he's a white knight she's not going to text you back all of these this nonsense you know that for me it's really demoralizing just to know that in 2020 there are still so many men and young men in particular who are being indoctrinated into this behavior who think it's hilarious and also accurate to suggest that a man who respects women and has functional relationships with women and actually sees women as human beings is somehow doing that for a nefarious purpose because of course the only reason that you would be nice to women in any situation is because you want to secretly fuck them Mm. Um, what it reveals about how these men actually view women and the complexities with which they allow women to exist is more telling than anything else. Absolutely. Like it's, it's so yuck to be like so objectified and like, like just seeing it as like a, a conquest or like if, you know, if you just, they think you just like want to have sex with them or like impress them. And it's like, no, you're just trying to be like a, decent person a kind person and like that's somehow weak which is like such a such an issue that they'd see it as like weakness Mm. it's it's sad really I mean in my more sympathetic moments I I just feel desperately sad at how distanced men are allowing themselves to be from you know actual human connection But I would say to discerning listener and to any women listening to this as well who are wrestling with that feeling of heartbreak now that as you realise more and more that 
the value that you are placing on yourself as you get older and you become more confident as women is at odds with the way that a lot of men you might associate with actually view women and will allow you to exist in their presence. That as, as heartbreaking as that is, at some point I strongly urge you to have a very serious conversation with yourself and decide what value you will place on yourself. Who will you allow into your life? Who will you allow to take your energy from you? And who will you allow to benefit from to benefit from having friendships and relationships with you? Because if the men that you're associating with, the men who claim to be your friends or sometimes even your lovers, at, at their heart don't actually see you as being people, then what is it that you're allowing to be done to yourself? And when I say allowing to be done to yourself, I'm not blaming women for that at all. I'm not suggesting that women have a responsibility in regards to everything, but, but we can at some point put a barrier between ourselves and those people and say, I will not allow you into my life. I will not allow you to benefit from your, your relationship with me when you refuse to see me as a human being. Yeah, I believe we're like sponges of like the people we surround ourselves with. And I think men need to like have more like gender diverse and, you know, women friends because then they'll absorb a bit of that and like learn about the struggles that we face and improve. Well, I just think that being curious about lives that don't look like your own Mm. is the hallmark of an interest person and if you're surrounding yourself constantly with people who you know if you if you're a man and you only listen to men who make music you only read books by men if you read it all you only watch shows about men then you inherently and fundamentally fundamentally lack curiosity about any life that doesn't look like your own so you are not an interesting person yeah it's boring and if you want to continue being a boring person who's not interesting, that's fine. But don't pretend somehow that this is just about your tastes and your, you know, you just have you have very specific tastes that just happen to co-align with everything that society tells us is important and meaningful. So diversify your tastes, and this is for everyone. We should all be looking outside our own experiences. And we should also not be afraid of putting a value on ourselves. And if the people that we are surrounding ourselves with fundamentally don't regard us as humans or fundamentally regard our experiences as worth anything or interesting, then what does that say about how they think of us? And what does that say about how they're using us? And don't let them use you. It's so easy now as well, like with Instagram, like you can like like your feed is like what you're absorbing. So it's like follow more Indigenous people, Indigenous women, Indigenous non-binary people, follow more people of colour, follow more women, like learn about their experiences and their lives and you'll absorb that and see them as people who are just the same as you. Exactly. You've been listening to The Big Sister Hotline, a weekly advice podcast that delivers no-nonsense words with love from the kind of people you know you have your back, your big sisters. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you look for great content. And you can also listen to all the back episodes. And please, if you like it, then consider rating and reviewing it because it definitely helps. And you can send your questions to bigsisterhotline at gmail.com. You can also support the ongoing making of the podcast at my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Clementine Ford. And you can sponsor the podcast if you'd like by contacting us again at 
bigsisterhotline at gmail.com. My guest this week has been the incredible Georgia Mack, a musician, a staunch critic of sexism, and just an all-round badass. Thank you so much for having me. This has been beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the hotline. I love you, as you know. What's up next for you? What are you working on? Oh my god, I love you too. Um, what am I working on? Probably another jumper, to be honest. Maybe I'll clean my kitchen. You know, like I don't know. I don't have anything really like musically going on. I'm just taking it day by day. I'm just letting myself like enjoy the ride a bit and not be defined by what people think I should be defined by. What I'm working on is like working on my relationships and (laughs) investing time into them and taking care of myself and making sure that every day I make my bed, just like being nice. I'm not going to like force myself being like, I need to make more music. I need to give people more content. I'm like, no, I'm just taking care of myself at the moment. Georgia, thank you so much. You're amazing. People can follow you on Instagram at Gold Sounds and they can get some excellent, awesome body positivity there and also some cool shit. Uh, you can listen to Camp Cope and Georgia Mac's album on Bandcamp. Is that correct? Is yep, that how I would phrase that? Yeah, and like Spotify and iTunes, everywhere you can find music. That's where we are. But also pay for it. Yeah, give us your Remember, there's no topic no question too weird for the big sister hotline we're here for all the questions you don't want to ask your therapist especially now that it has to be over zoom so contact us instead the big sister hotline the phone lines are open mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 